Hello, you're listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name is Valerie Koo and you can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips and valuable ideas on how to get published and write with confidence. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. Our team is passionate about all things writing, and in these podcasts, we'll be talking to best-selling authors on their craft. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hi, I'm Danielle Williams from the Sydney Writers' Centre in Wilson's Point. I'm here with Solari Gentle, whose latest book is Paving the New Road. Welcome, Solari. Thanks Thank for you. coming. Thank you for having me. Tell us about the latest book. Paving the New Road? Yeah. Uh, Paving the New Road is, is interesting uh, in the series because it actually uh, takes Robin Sinclair out of local political issues and places him smack bang in the international political arena, uh, which was... In, in 1933, particularly tumultuous and, and, and darkening. Um, Hitler had just become Chancellor of Germany um, and things were getting already difficult in Germany for people who were socialists, trade unionists, um, and, and people who basically fell out of alignment with what the Nazi party decreed as German. Um, so he finds himself in that atmosphere um, and in that environment uh, with his entourage of bohemians, um, involved in in, inter, in an international spying operation, um, but of course he he investigates a murder while he's at it. Uh, you mentioned that this is part of a series, uh, and this is the fourth book it in is. that series. Four books since two thousand eleven, I think. Is that right? Um, two thousand and ten. A few two thousand ten. Okay. Men came out. <laughs> Uh, so, what is it about this period of history and these characters that fascinates you so much that you're now into the fourth book? I'm, um, I'm always interested in, in motivations and why people do what they do and why people don't do something as well. So, it's, it's not so much uh, the stances people take, but the stances they won't take um, and, and how that changes over time. The 1930s is such a rich and completely extreme uh, political time where the where the tensions between left and right were were so were so strong that it, it, it's a particularly fertile period in which to to set another story and you achieve a a, a layering almost subconsciously without even trying um, because people are working against a backdrop that's almost a character in itself. Yeah, yeah, and you feature a lot of real life characters. Somerset Maugham and Kingsford Smith are just two that I've picked up in Paving the New Road. How true to life are they and how much did you have to fill in the gaps? Well, um, because I didn't know them personally, yeah. they, they can't be completely true to life. Uh, but I tend to have an have a ethic when I'm writing that I don't accuse someone who is real of doing something that I have no evidence that they did. Um, that they did. So in that sense, I, I stay true to the uh, historical record. And that's, that's a personal um, thing that I put on myself. 
simply because I, I just think that's fair. Um, legally speaking, I think you can pretty much say anything about someone who's dead uh, because it's a fiction. Uh, but uh, that doesn't, isn't always the ethically best way to, to proceed. In, in terms of uh, their characters and their personalities, I try to draw on what the historical record says that they were like, but in the end I have to just make it up um, because, I, because I didn't meet them. Uh, and, they're, and they're proponents in a story. Um, and whilst their, their characters or, or their individual stories aren't central to the story or the narrative that I'm writing, uh, it certainly influences it and, it, and and the way people bump together in history and in life really interests me. I also think it's an opportunity to actually show these great larger-than-life figures from a different angle um, through the eyes of someone who may have met them um, in their own context. And, and so Roland Sinclair allows me to, to meet all these wonderful people that I would like to meet myself, but I can't because they're dead. <laughs> so... What comes first in these situations? Do you focus on a particular figure in history and decide you want them in your story, or the story comes around um, to give you a chance to include them? The, sto the story comes around. I'm very story-driven, so the, the major thing for me and the primary thing for me is the, the actual story I'm telling and the narrative. Um, it's the, the figures that walk in seem to step in of their own accord. Um, because of that period in time. Of course, you know, occasionally I come across a figure in my other research and they're so fabulous and so interesting and I can see Roland's reaction to them and he, he it's almost as if he's goading me to write them in so he can meet them. Um, and so they, they find a way of uh, stepping into the story mm. uh, and bringing their own light uh, to what I'm trying to tell. Yeah. Now, you've had an interesting path to writing, uh, you were a lawyer for a long time, um, and I understand you've only been writing really seriously for about five years. Yeah, even less than that, I'd say, yeah. I'd yeah. Say, since my youngest son was born. Um, actually, and not just writing seriously, just writing at all. But right. in, in that being said, the, the law is a writing profession. And, you know, this I often say tongue-in-cheek that it's, uh, that's a good apprenticeship to writing fiction. And, and whilst, you know, in some sense, um, I think the Law Society would raise their eyebrows at that statement, the fact is that uh, the legal profession is about writing quickly and precisely uh, and choosing your words carefully because each word has a very particular meaning and lawyers understand that. So I think that is good training um, in terms of wordsmithing uh, for writing. And I, th I think that's how that has influenced the way I write, not so much what I write, uh, but the way I write um, in, in terms of process. Um, I, I was a lawyer for lots of years, and um, that's that was my training, and, and I quite enjoyed being a lawyer. It wasn't a bad profession um, as far as that went. But there, at some point, I, I obviously um, realised that there was something more for me, and there was something different that I, I should be doing. Mm. I, I picked up writing on a whim, um, it was one of the mad hobbies that I used to pick up. You know, I, I weld, I paint, I, I can pregnancy test your cows. <laughs> and, uh, but it was, I, I was one of those people that was always picking up different courses and doing bizarre things to keep my mind occupied. Um, and it was almost a complete win. Oh, well, it wasn't a complete win. I just one day decided, oh, I might have a go at writing a novel. It's something I haven't done yet. Right. And um, once I started, 
I just found it was such a natural expression for me that it was almost like learning to breathe properly. And once once you open that gate, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's where I found myself here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, remarkably, for somebody who has really only just started writing, you've been nominated for a Commonwealth Writers' Prize and you just won a major uh, crime award, the David Award, mm. in Australia. How does that make you feel as a new writer? And Well, it was... Um, I mean, but both, both awards are really different. The nomination for the Commonwealth Writers' Prize was, was lovely at the time because I was, I was debut. It was my first book. And um, I still have this feeling, even, even today, um, I sometimes feel like a pretender. Uh, especially when I'm amongst other writers, I think, oh, what am I doing here? Oh, I shouldn't be here. These people are so much better read and they, they know their stuff so much better than I. Um, but the, the Commonwealth Writers' Prize and that shortlisting made me feel a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more at home in this, in what was a very much a new world to me. Uh, the Davits is, is particularly gorgeous for me because uh, it's, it's administered by the Sisters in Crime um, of Victoria and they're a, a very supportive group and, and a fun group to belong to. So I, I really feel like uh, that's an acknowledgement by my peers and peers that I really value as friends um, as well as, as colleagues. Uh, and of course, you know, crime writing is um, is what I do and I, I quite enjoy the idea of, of being a crime writer. It feels kind of tough to win the tab. Yes. <laughs> so, so I know how to kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but interestingly, um, you're not just a crime writer. Because you always also have the fantasy adventure series. Yes, yes, that that that, that was where two I started. books for. How how are you managing two different series, such vastly different types of books? Well, actually, it, it, it makes the process much easier. I, I write alternatively, so I write a, a Greek mythic fiction, then I write a Roland Sinclair, and and uh, switch back to Greek mythic fiction when that is done. What that means for me is I get a break from each set of characters. Um, and it keeps the writing fresh. So by the time I come back to writing Roland, I missed him because I haven't written him for six months or so while I've been writing the other book. And, and I want to get back in with him and his crew. Uh, similarly with the Greeks, once I've, once I've been writing a Roland book for a whole um, six months, I, I, uh, I, I miss them and I, and I want to get back into swords and uh, togas and, and the like. So it, it keeps me motivated and fresh and keeps me very focused and interested in what I'm writing at the time. And I never have that feeling of getting sick of, of a novel. Um, and, and I know just from writers I've spoken to that, you know, towards the end of the novel that can be that sort of grind, you've been working on this novel for five years, etc, etc. Um, but for me, because it's, it's such vastly different genres, they seem to wipe the slate clean each time. Um, and give me give me a whole new breath mm. with which to go yeah. forward. So given you're so prolific um, and so easily able to <laughs> switch between genres, um, what what's, your, what's the process for you with a new novel? You know, do you stick to a strict plan and then a daily writing routine, or you know, does it just all come out in a rush? Uh, it all. Well, I don't plot uh, at all. Um, even I, the crime. Even the crime. Um, So for me, and and I write chronologically, so I start from the first word of the book and just keep writing. Um, That, for me, uh, builds a natural pace. Um, So I don't 
have to think consciously about you know maintaining pace and so on in the book um, and because I don't know what's happening it comes out in a in a sense of interest and discovery that's that's natural and fits well with the crime novels uh, in particular um, as far as my daily writing process I, I write daily but it's for me, the discipline is not writing, it's stopping. Yeah. Uh, I'm still at that stage, and I, and I hope it doesn't change, but I'm still at that stage where the, the actual mechanics of sitting down at my computer and disappearing into my own head is just wonderful for me. And I look forward to that, and I, I really enjoy it. And certainly when I think of a holiday, I think in terms of being left alone to write, mm. um, not escaping my writing in any way. So... That, that daily process of actually writing every day is, is just normal and natural for me. Um, and in fact, I, I tend to get tense if I haven't had time to actually work mm. on a novel. Um, I, I'm fairly deadline-oriented too, and I like to beat deadlines. Um, so I, and, and I tend to self-impose deadlines and say, OK, by such and such a time, that'll be over, and then move to these... Ex, uh, exceeding them so yeah. that I can move on to the next thing. I don't stop between novels either, so as soon as I've finished one the next day, the, the next one is begun. And that can be done because I'm switching from genres. I don't feel the need to exercise one novel before I move on to the mm. next one because that's done in the process of switching to such a vastly different genre. Yeah. So typically uh, then with a novel that you've spent, say, six months on, mm-hmm. How many drafts would you normally write? And is there a process of self-editing in there at all? I think there, there, there must be a process of self-editing because there's only one draft. Right. Um, but that, <laughs> that's because I, I dream a lot of my books and before the words are down, I can actually see the action and when I put down the words, it's exactly what I want to happen. Um, so it's really that draft that goes off to my editors. Now, of course, you know, editors have comments and mm. publishers have comments and proofing and, you know, I tend to miss out those all the time right. and it wouldn't matter how many times I read it, I'll, I won't be able to see it. And that's where your editors and proper proof editing comes into mm. its own. But generally, it's the way my first draft and the final draft is not that dissimilar. Right. Okay. That's very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's just it's just naturally the way I write. It yeah. doesn't. Na- I don't know that it necessarily is better or worse than someone who writes fifteen drafts and starts in the middle of the book and works outwards or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I just think that we all sort of climb the mountain by our own path, mm. um, and the way that's most natural for us is probably the quickest and the yeah. uh, and the best way. Yeah. But do you feel like you've had that freedom to climb the mountain your own way? simply because you just made that snap decision and said, I'm going to do it. Yes. Rather than, you know... I did, because I, I was completely naive. I think... I, I, have this, I have this feeling that if I had taken a lot of courses and I had uh, had a lot of exposure to the literary world, I might never have written because I would have been intimidated mm. or I would have thought... And, and, and I did have a, a great period of time where I was aware that, you know, people wrote several drafts and books were supposed to take years to write... And I didn't write because I thought, well, no, I can't spend three years on a book and um, I can't because it w- wasn't naturally me um, and I don't have, I haven't read everything that's ever come out and I haven't done courses and so on. And that did inhibit me for a while from thinking that I could write a novel. Um, in the end, you know, the whim that took me to write a novel 
wasn't because I was actually thinking about it seriously in terms of publication or anything of the sort. It was just, you know, there's this great story and no mm. one else is telling it. I think I might try it and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. So now that uh, Paving the New Road is out, have you moved straight on to the next novel? Uh, I'm just finalising the final book in the the Greek myth yep. mythology series and that'll be done in the next week or so and I have already started thinking about the next Roly book so I know where it's going to be set. I have no idea who's going to die or who's <laughs> going to do it at the moment but that will that will uh, reveal itself in the fullness of time. Yeah. Um, I have some idea of interesting figures who are wandering around in 1933 that I think Roland might bump into. And so basically, in the next couple of weeks, I'll just sit down and start. Right. Just finally, uh, what's your advice to new writers? I think, um, I think try and figure out with your writing what it is that you like best about your own work um, and defend that. Try and keep that, try and stay true to that. Everything else, take advice on. Um, everything else, try and learn. Um, but I think it's, uh, it's often much harder to define what's good about your work than to pick what the problems of your work are. And it's something that writers don't often actually sit down and, and try and um, conceptualise because we have ideas of modesty or, or whatever yeah, in terms of our own work. But really you wouldn't be a writer if there wasn't something about your work, something about what you were saying that you thought was good and different. And, and needed to stay exactly as it was. Mm, that's excellent advice. Thanks so much, Solari. Good Thank luck. You. Thank you very Good much. Book and congratulations on the Thank award. You. Thank Thanks. you very much. You've been listening to the team from the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo. You can find us online, including details about our courses, seminars, and online learning programs where we help students from all over the world. I'm author of the book, Power Stories, the eight stories you must tell to build an epic business. And you can find out more on my personal website, ValerieKoo.com. That's ValerieKoo, K-H-O-O.com. Thank you for listening.